All who come to this happy place, welcome. Disneyland is your land. Here age relives fond memories of the past. I'm a real boy! You want thingamabobs? I got 20. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. We This is the Magic on a Dollar podcast with David Dollar. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is David Dollar and this is the Magic on a Dollar podcast. Episode number 33. The date is June 21st. I think it's the first day of summer or maybe yesterday was the first day of summer. I don't really remember. I know something about an equinox, Vaquinox, or so I don't, I have no idea. I'm not a meteorologist. I don't know the science stuff, but I do know that the 20th, 21st, somewhere in there is the first day of the season. And so we are well into summer. The longest day of the year, I believe is maybe today. So it's hot outside. It's hot everywhere because it is summer. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a crazy world we live in, folks. I have spent the better part of the week kind of reading up on the world events and watching social media and things like that, and it's not a pretty picture out there. There's a lot of things going on in the world that just aren't um, just aren't nice, just aren't fun, and uh, kind of makes you sad. So for me, this is a good chance to kind of spend 30 minutes just diving into Disney stuff, not worried about the world, but worrying about the world, which, of course, that is Walt Disney World and Disneyland and all other Disney destinations as well. So we're going to do some news. We'll dive in some news in just a minute. We'll talk about some news topics. We've got some, some great movie anniversaries. A whole lot of movies came out this week in history. So we'll touch on those, and we'll get to The Incredibles 2. I do want to give you my quick review on The Incredibles 2, what, what I think about it, actually, and what um, you know what, what to know about it. So anyway, that's coming up. Uh, but first, let's do some Disney news real quick. Off the top, Disney and Fox and Comcast. I'm going to touch on this just real quick. I know last week you, most of the episode was about that and kind of breaking that deal down, and you're probably like, oh, my gosh, stop talking about Fox. Just real quick. So after the bid last week, I mentioned that Comcast had you know bid $65 billion for all the assets and for Fox. Well, Disney has upped their bid now to $71 billion. Uh, 71-000-000-000. That is a lot of zeros. $71 billion. And uh, half of that is going to be stock, and half of that is going to be uh, cash. And so apparently, when Disney made this initial deal, like fifty-eight or fifty-two billion or whatever in December, stock was worth around twenty-eight dollars a share. Now it's worth around thirty-five dollars a share, so they can give out a little less stock to make kind of make up for it. And, and so Comcast is not expected to actually up their offer because here's the thing, and I didn't know this last week, but so I didn't mention it. But Comcast is apparently heavily in debt, so if they take on this, they pay this out, they up their bid, they pay more than they need to for it. They're going to be even in more debt. And I think Fox is kind of seeing that as a, you know, I don't know if we're going to do this. And really, when it comes to $70 billion, I think there's not a whole lot of difference in 70 and 75 and 80. I know that sounds crazy because a billion dollars is a billion dollars. So we're talking about, you know, a difference of nine to ten billion dollars. So if Comcast increased their bid to 80, I don't I still don't know that Fox would accept it because five to ten billion dollars in the grand scheme of things is not a, a ton when it comes to that much money now if Comcast came back and said okay we will give you 140 million billion dollars I think they would accept it obviously but I think Disney's gonna win this thing I think they're finally gonna get it because the other thing about cash is you gotta pay taxes on it that's something I didn't think about either last week so when Fox when Comcast is offering Fox 65 billion dollars there's gonna be some tax ramifications out of that 
Plus, Disney has already gone through all the vetting processes, all the, the judicial reviews and things like that. I know you can't just walk up, sign some papers, and suddenly say, hey, I own it. I mean, there has to be a lot of transferals. I think the deal's not even going to be done until, like, next year, so it takes that long to kind of put things in place, which is crazy. But um, it looks like Disney is actually going to probably win this thing unless Comcast pulls something out that is unexpected. So Disney will get all of those assets, as mentioned, in last week's show. So if you... If you haven't heard last week's show, go listen to last week's show. I, I like it. I think it's a I think it's a good rundown of actually what's going on in the business world when it comes to Disney and Fox. John Lasseter, of course, the once the most powerful man in animation, the head of Pixar for a long time, the head of Disney Animation for a long time, will finally leave the Walt Disney Company at the end of the year. Now you might remember June or November twenty first last year. Uh, Lasseter went on a sabbatical from Disney Animation and Pixar. He sent a memo to the staff apologizing for unwanted hugs. Female employees told Variety Magazine, which is where I'm kind of reading this from, that Lasseter had a reputation for inappropriate hugging and touching, um, things like that, inappropriate maybe kisses, and I don't want to get too far into it, family show, but, you know, nothing, I don't think anything, I use this word loosely, I don't think anything too severe, but enough to make you very uncomfortable. Like, these are things I wouldn't do with my with my friends <clears throat> you know just i don't know so last year is going to be leaving at the end of the year he's been on sabbatical for a while but uh uh it's it's sad because i think john Lasseter is a brilliant mind he's a brilliant genius of what he does he's been so instrumental in the, the golden age right now we're i don't know if you knew this or not but currently we're in what's called the golden age of animation starting with you know princess and the frog and frozen and tangled with the other movies that have come big hero six wreck it ralph and these movies are kind of considered the golden age of golden age of animation the of course the late early 90s was considered the disney renaissance so this is the golden age so we're right in the middle of that we're right in the middle of this beautiful area of just great animated films that are coming out that 50 years from now 100 years from now will be considered beautiful classics like i mean you look back and there are some movies like i don't know so dear to my heart that people don't really think a lot about uh, but 50 years from now they will be thinking about rapunzel 50 years from now they will be talking about frozen especially when there's like frozen six and frozen seven and so on and so forth but that all is to say that Lasseter is a genius when it comes to that. He's really led Disney through a lot of that, and he will be stepping down. I believe that Pete Docter, um, which is one of the directors of a lot of the Disney movies, and there's a, there's a female, and I don't remember her name. I'm sorry. I don't remember it. It's uh, I don't have it in front of me, but she will be taking over as well. So those two will be kind of leading Disney animation from there. Looking over at Disneyland, Pixar Pier opening up on June 23rd. So when you hear this, it actually may be open in two days, in one day. Today, yesterday, or the day before, depending on when you hear this. Uh, so, yeah, Pixar Pier is opening up over at California Adventure in Disneyland. And some things to kind of look at. The Pixar Pier neighborhood and attractions. There will be four neighborhoods that will make up this new land. And it's really Paradise Pier is what was there at California Adventure. And they had different rides, different areas. The California Screaming Coaster was there. and As well as, uh, you know, some uh, the, the Wonder Wheel, the big Ferris wheel, Ariel's Grotto, which was a restaurant. So that was all there. Well, now it's going to have four areas. The Incredibles. Toy Story, Inside Out, and one area called the Pixar Promenade, which in, in which several Pixar stories will be represented in that neighborhood. The goal is making making each neighborhood like its own individual small land. Between Incredibles Park and Toy Story Boardwalk, there will be a water wall, so music from one won't be heard from the other. So they want to make sure that you you are in immersed in that land, even if it is a small land. Of course, Incredibles area, the Incredit Coaster is the big one. That's the California Scream, and they have turned into the Credit Coaster. And the premise is the Incredibles are being honored in their hometown, Municiburg, with the coaster. As it turns out, though, Jack-Jack and Edna Mode are not tall enough to ride, so they have to wait in the VIP lounge. But, of course, Jack-Jack escapes, as he always does. And so you're getting on the coaster, and you're going to chase 
Jack-Jack and probably tempt him with cookies. So there'll be effects there, and the story uh, will have two minutes of original animation. There'll be a countdown from Dash at the start of the coaster with a water effect. Uh, 50 pounds of glitter will make the fire scene. I don't know what that means, but that's a little frightening. I'm now thinking of glitter getting everywhere. Uh, There'll be hand-painted murals all over the wall and things like that, so it's actually going to be cool. And you'll get the scent of cookies onto the coaster, and they will be trying to get uh, Jack to come over. Uh, They're trying to chase Jack, and you can also get off the coaster and go to Jack-Jack Jack's Num Num Cookie Kiosk, which will be selling Jack Jack's cookies. Pixar Pal Around is now going to be the fun wheel, or the fun wheel is now the Pal Around, and, and essentially it's this big Ferris wheel thing where they have a regular Ferris wheel, and they'll also have kind of a swinging back and forth little kind of gondola-like Ferris wheel part. It's all there together, and they're going to have different different characters on the different cars and such, and the, the icon for that has been the big Mickey on the side of it. Well, apparently the Mickey will be on one side, and you'll have the Pixar ball on the other side. You'll also get to enjoy the Pixar Harmonic Orchestra during Pixar Fest this summer, so they'll be playing Pixar music. Pixar eats, of course, and you're going to want to eat because eating is going to be good. The Lamplight Lounge is going to be great, and that's going to be kind of a reservation place, which has casual dining. I think you can just walk up, and they also have reservations as well. And one of the things I've learned about Disneyland is getting reservations there is not nearly as hard as it is at getting reservations at Disney World. You can actually call in. If you're leaving next week, you can probably call in a lot of times get reservations at just about any restaurant. Uh, whereas you can't really do that at Walt Disney World. Of course, they'll have lobster nachos over at the Lamplight Lounge as well. And I'm looking at some of the things here. The carne asada rolls, which are sushi uh, sushi rolls. They're going to have potato skins and um, what's something called uh, picks and bits, which is like shareables, potato skins, and mango cheese and just, I mean, I'm just kind of reading off here. There's a whole bunch of good-looking food that I could describe for you, but me just saying it doesn't really doesn't really make any sense. There is a PG, PB&J roll, which actually looks really, really good. It's a creamy peanut butter and whole wheat rolled uh, into one of little circles topped with strawberry jelly, and it looks fantastic. And it's actually made for kids, but I really want one of those because that looks really, really good. They've got those chicken sandwiches and spinach salads and just all kinds of good stuff there at the Lamplight Lounge, so you're going to get a taste of a lot of stuff there. You actually will be able to also go over to Bing Bong's Sweet Stuff Confectionery, which, of course, is Bing Bong, who just tears the hearts out of anybody watching Inside Out, because, my goodness, Bing Bong. Who doesn't love Bing Bong? It's going to be right close to the Pixar Pal Around, the, the fun wheel. It'll be the spot for candy treats and classic confections like caramel apples, cake pops, and more, and there will be candy tears. Because Bing Bong, when he cries, he does cry candy tears. They have the Abominable Snowman Frosted Treats, which will be frosted treats and ice cream. Of course, I mentioned Jack Jack's Cookie Num Nums. Uh, Angry Dogs will have will have anger from inside out. And there will be a hot dog stand with different flavors uh, with varying degrees of spiciness. Now, I do not do spice, so I don't know how much I will go there. Senior Buzz Churros will be at the boardwalk uh, there in that area. You'll find Buzz Lightyear doing churros, selling churros. The Poultry Palace will be basically shaped like a like a Happy Meal chicken box, and it's going to sell, of course, chicken. So that's going to be fun there. And so it's it sounds like a sounds like a great thing. Sounds like a lot of fun over there at the Pixar Pier. Now, if you're thinking, "A oh, man, now you're making me hungry," but I don't want to get all the way to Disneyland. What do I do? Well, Toy Story Land opens up in about 10 days, 9 days, something like that. And there will be Woody's Lunchbox, which is the counter service there at at Toy Story Land. It's going to dish up all sorts of sandwiches and sides and things like that. I'm looking here for breakfast. The S'mores French Toast Breakfast Sandwich. Oozy goodness and a chocolate ganache and marshmallow stuffed French toast topped with graham cracker crumbles. I love French toast. 
I do. I'm not a big s'mores fan, but I love French toast, so this looks very, very good. The smoked turkey, eggs, Swiss peppers, and onions on sourdough, exactly what it sounds like. They have breakfast bowls. They have a barbecue brisket melt, a Monte Crisco with raspberry jam. Uh, they've got side dishes with uh, macaroni salad, potato barrels, mini Baby Bell snacks. Apparently is the official snack cheese of Walt Disney World. I didn't realize there was a thing as an official snack cheese, but I guess that makes sense. It's going to be at Walt Disney World, so that'll be there as an eating with the meal or an on-the-go thing. They're going to have raspberry lunchbox tarts garnished with icing and dried fruit and chocolate hazelnut lunchbox tarts garnished with icing and caramelized bacon, which are essentially, they look like puff pastry pastry Pop-Tarts. I'm sure will be like 5 or $6 a piece, but they look really, really, really good. The banana split yogurt parfait will be there, as well as the smoked turkey tomato and lettuce on multigrain bread. Exactly what it sounds like. They're going to have different soda floats as well. And the alien sipper will be for sale, and they'll be selling Powerade Mountain Berry Blast with flavors of lemon lime and tangerine. The big kids can enjoy the backyard uh, with grown-up lemonade cocktail, and they, of course, have the alcoholic beverages there. So that's all going to be there. And I'll do a link on the website for the full menu, for the very full menu of the Lunchbox favorites, so you can kind of get an idea of what to expect when you go down there to eat at Woody's Lunchbox in Toy Story Land, opening up on June 30th. Let's look at some Disney history. Now, a whole lot of movies opened up this week in Disney history because, of course, it is summertime, but there were two attractions that actually opened up this week, and I want to kind of mention those real quick. 1963, on June 23rd, the Tiki Room opened up for the first time over at Disneyland. It was the first attraction to feature auto-animatronic figures developed by WED Enterprises. It opened up, and uh, the presentation features over 150 talking, singing, and dancing birds, flowers, a fountain, tiki drummers, and tiki totem poles singing the songs Tiki 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 Groom, and another song called Let's All Sing Like the Birdies Sing. Four Macaws will host the show. That is Jose, Michael, Pierre, and Fritz, featuring one of my favorite Disney jokes, where one of the birds says, Yes, it's time for me to sing a solo. And another bird says, Si, senor, solo, we can't hear you, which I think is hilarious. I use that in my everyday life sometimes. I will throw that out there just out of context completely because I think it's funny. So that's coming. that happened in 1963. And this week in 2016, which is a little shocking because I realized I didn't. I felt like this was a lot longer, but it's only been two years. Frozen Ever After opened up in Epcot, at, where Maelstrom used to be in Norway. And I, when I looked at this, I had to go look on the Googles to find out if this was right because I'm like, this ride I feel like it's been around for five years. It's only been around for two years. And still a ride that takes, gosh, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half to get through um, the line because the line is always so popular. I've been on the ride several times. It's a great ride. It's a fun ride. My six-year-old is in love with Elsa. He has the biggest crush on Elsa. So when we go on that ride, he sees Olaf. And he sees Anna and Kristoff and blah, 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 blah. But he sees Elsa, and he's just like, <gasps> it's Elsa. And uh, we, well, every time we meet Elsa, which right there by Frozen Ever After is the Elsa and Anna meet and greet, which there's no fast passes for. You just have to go wait in line for it. And he meets Elsa, and he, he ignores Anna. He says hey to Anna, hi, Anna, hey, Anna. But he sees Elsa, and he grabs her hand. He wants to walk her out the door because he just loves him some Elsa. 2016, I feel like that ride has been around forever, but it has only been for two years. Now, Maelstrom's been gone about four years now because it took about two years to build the ride. Several movies, a lot of movies released this week in Disney history. I want to kind of go through these because these are some of my favorites. 1961, The Parent Trap with Haley Mills, Maureen O'Hara, and Brian Keith released. You know, Let's Get Together is the big song. Uh, Let's Get Together, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you and I combine? I love The Parent Trap. It's one of my favorite movies, my top 100, top 150 movies of all time. It's in there. I love it. When I was a kid, I saw this as a, for the first time, maybe it's nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. I had the biggest crush on Haley Mills. 
I had the biggest crush on Haley Mills from 1961, even though it was like 1987, 1986, whatever. But she was also premiering in this Saturday morning show called Good Morning Miss Bliss. And so I got to see Haley Mills there. And there she was like 45 or 50. I still thought she was pretty, but she looked like my teacher. And I'm like, ugh. But Haley Mills is a 11-year-old when I'm 10 or 11 is like, oh, she's so cute. Uh, but no, Good Morning Miss Bliss, of course, you may or may not know, went on to become Saved by the Bell. So also released this week in Disney history, the 34th movie in the Disney canon. That was Hunchback of Notre Dame. Uh, released in 1996 with Jason Alexander as Hugo, Tom Hills as Quasimodo, Mary Kay Bergman, and Demi Moore is in this as well. Uh, the film's music was nominated for an Oscar. The story is based on the Victor Hugo epic novel published in 1831. It also released to the MGM Hunchback of Notre Dame, a musical adventure stage show, which ran from 96 to 2002. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I'm not a fan of Hunchback of Notre Dame. I've never been a fan of that one. I just, I, it's not my favorite. I'm just, eh, not a fan. One movie I do love, though, in 2002 is Lilo and Stitch, released uh, to in this to theaters on tw- uh, June 21st, 2002. Lilo and Stitch is the animated story of a Hawaiian girl who adopts, a, adopts an unusual pet that turns out to be a notorious extraterrestrial fugitive from the law. Now, Stitch is now been ingrained in our heads, much like I was thinking Frozen Ever After had been around a lot longer. Apparently... I mean, we feel like Stitch has been around for 30 years. Stitch has only been around for 15, 16 years now. 2002, do the math, or 16 years. So Stitch is Stitch can now get his driver's license, you know, in real life. But uh, but yeah, it's Lilo and Stitch 2002. In 2013, Monsters University came out, 3D computer animated comedy produced by Pixar Animation Studios and released by Walt Disney Pictures. With the it's the prequel to the 2001 Monsters Inc. with Billy Crystal, John Goodman, Bashimi, Bob Peterson, John Ratzenberger. All coming back is, you know, Mike Wazowski, James P. Sullivan, Randall, Roz, and so on and so on. Good movie. Not my favorite of the monsters. I love Monsters, Inc. This one's good, Monsters University. There's a there's something that's really big with me when it comes to movies, and that's something called rewatchability. And rewatchability for me is is when you can watch a movie over and over and over. And there are great movies to me that don't have rewatchability. There are terrible movies that have rewatchability and that kind of goes to my movie my movie sense of you know I'm a big movie fan people who know me know that I have a list of my favorite films like a 500 movie list of my favorite films of all time one movie that does have rewatchability however came out in 1955 this week and that is Ladies and the Tramp Lady and the Tramp the studio's first feature length cartoon produced in Cinemascope Featuring the voices of Peggy Lee, Barbara Luddy, Larry Roberts, and Bill Thompson, a romantic tale of sheltered-upon cocker spaniel dog and a streetwise downtown mutt. The idea for the film came from a short story by Ward Green entitled Happy Dan the Whistling Dog. So that came that came out in 1955, and it's a classic. It really, really is a classic. That whole spaghetti scene is... Let's be honest. That spaghetti scene, there's more romance in that spaghetti scene between two dogs than there is in four movies of the Twilight Universe. Let me just say it. There it is. 1977, 23rd animated feature into the Disney canon. The Rescuers released in U.S. theaters. Uh, two mice of the Rescue Aid Society searching for a little girl kidnapped by unscrupulous treasure hunters featuring Bob Newhart, Eva Gabor, Joe Flynn, and Geraldine Page. The song Someone's Waiting for You was nominated for an Oscar. Uh, can I be honest with you? Don't Don't tell anybody. I've... Never seen the rescuers. I just I don't I, I don't stop looking. Don't judge me. I'm sorry. I, yes, I'm I, I'm a Disney fan. Yes, I'm a Disney fan. Stop it. I just I've never gotten around to seeing the rescuers, so I, I haven't seen it. Um, so don't tell anybody. Is that cool? But I'll, I'll I promise you I'll watch it. I'm gonna write it down. Please watch the rescuers, so my Disney friends won't be disappointed. 
Okay, so there we go. All right, so 1988. 1988, Who Framed Roger Rabbit came out. Have you ever seen Who Framed Roger Rabbit? That is a movie I have seen. And Who Framed Roger Rabbit is one of those films that, over the course of the years, I don't think people understand how great this movie is. It's not just a good movie. It's, of course, animation and live action. Bob Hoskins is a private detective who investigates a murder involving a famous cartoon character. Roger Rabbit, of course, is uh, involved in this murder, um, so he's trying to clear him because everybody thinks he's the one that did it. Plays by, uh, Charles Fleischer was the one that did Roger Rabbit. Of course, uh, Kathleen Turner does um, Jessica Rabbit, who is the sexy character that everybody loves, all the guys love. It's one of the first time and probably the only time in the same movie you're going to see characters from Disney, Universal, MGM, Republic, Turner Entertainment, Warner Brothers. They're all together in one film. There's a closing shot of that movie where all the characters are standing together, and there's, there's Foghorn Leghorn, and there's Daffy Duck, and there's Donald Duck, and there's Mickey Mouse and there's Bugs Bunny and there's Mighty Mouse and there's all these different characters all together and you're just not going to see that ever again. There's too much rivalry in, among among um, studios, among people. There's no way on, on my good lord's green earth that I think they would ever allow Bugs Bunny to be in the same character as Mickey Mouse Mostly because Warner Brothers is, of course, they're, they're partnered with Universal. They hate Disney, and Disney does not like Universal, so that'll never, it's just not going to happen. So when you watch that movie, just understand you're watching a small piece of Disney history because it's just not going to happen. It's just not. Back to that rewatchability thing. In 2012, the movie Brave came out. Also a movie that I just am not, I, I like Brave. Brave is a beautiful movie. It's a great movie. It's a wonderful movie. I just, I don't get into it. I, I just, I watched it once and I was like, okay, it's beautiful. It's a, it's, it's wonderful to watch and just, I, I don't want to watch it again. It's the story of a skilled Scottish archer named Merida who defines an age-old custom causing chaos in her kingdom. It's the first movie to ever use Dolby Atmos sound format. I don't know what that means. But it sounds cool. Dolby Atmos sound format. It's funny because in personal story, there's a series of movies, and I may have told this story before, and if I did, so what? Uh, there's a there's a series of movies that we have on our DVR, like Rio and Rio Two and Cars and Cars Two, whatever. My my son watches them, you know, over and over and over. But he also likes the previews that come afterwards because on HBO or Stars or Showtime or whatever, when the movie ends, they do previews for upcoming films on that streaming service. And so you know HBO will have you know coming in June, uh, Brave, blah blah blah. And so there's like a three minute or two minutes preview of, of Brave. And so all the lines are in my head, you know. And uh, don't you release another arrow? And she yells at her mom, I don't want to be like you. And later on, she says something like. If you had a chance to change your fate, would you? And so I get all these lines in my head, and every time I hear the, the word brave, I think about that that two-and-a-half-minute clip of Brave. And, like, for me, the best part of the movie is all in that clip. So when I want to watch Brave, I watch that two-and-a-half-minute clip with my kid, and then we're done, and then we're done watching Brave. So I'm good there. I like Brave. My friend Michael, my co-host of the Newscast Movie Show, he lives and dies by Brave. He thinks Brave is amazing. I just think it's okay. 1989, June 23rd, 1989. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. I saw this movie in the theater and loved it. Rick Moranis, Matt Fru, excuse me, Matt Frewer, Marsha Strassman. Uh, this is the story of Rick Moranis, the inventor, who accidentally shrinks with his electromagnetic shrink ray and sends them into the backyard with a trash. Love this movie. This movie is so much fun and so inventive and so different and so cool because everything is big. And again, when I watched this movie, I think I was 14 when I saw this. And how cool was this to see Legos that were, you know, in in, in ratio to where how kid, big the kids were? The Legos were like. 12 feet tall and they're riding ants and just it's you know the grass is so big and they're they're running from the mower because of my it just it's so cool honey i shrunk ourselves and honey we blew up the baby not not so much 
Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, though, is a great movie. Also another movie I'm not a big fan of in 1995, the 33rd full-length animated feature Pocahontas released to theaters. Of course, it's the it's the story of Pocahontas and John Smith. I just, I don't get into it. I just, I didn't like it. I'm sorry. There was a period of, the, the, the Disney Renaissance is what's considered from Little Mermaid, Rescuers Down Under, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, and then it continues on to Hunchback, Pocahontas, Mulan, Hercules, and Tarzan. So that's kind of considered the Disney Renaissance, that 12-year period of movies. And once you kick in with Home on the Range and Atlantis and Treasure Planet, Disney Animation suffered. And, of course, we hit the Golden Age back in you know 2009 with Princess and the Frog. Talked about that a little earlier. I'm not a fan of Hunchback. I didn't like, I didn't like Pocahontas. Love Hercules, by the way, which we'll get to in just a second. I've never seen Mulan. Ah, gosh, I hate admitting that. I've never seen Milan. Tarzan was okay, but I feel like Hunchback and Pocahontas just ruined ruined things for me. I didn't like either one of those films. So basically, I went like two and a half to three years with not a good Disney film. I was like, I'm waiting for a good Disney film to come out, and just, just those two just weren't it. Uh, in uh, 1994, however, the end of the really good Disney Renaissance, in my opinion, 1984, The Lion King comes out, the 32nd animated film in the Disney canon, uh, featuring award-winning music by Hans Zimmer, Elton John, and Tim Rice, with the voices of JTT, that being Jonathan Taylor Thomas, Matthew Broderick, James Earl Jones, Jeremy Irons, Rowan Atkinson, Jim Cummings, and Nathan Lane. Previous Disney films featured only a select few famous voices. This one actually featured a ton of well-known actors, becoming the most successful Disney film of all time at that time. It's been a while. It actually spent a while in the top 10 films of all time. It's somewhere like in the 20 range now. It's not even anywhere close to the top 10. But uh, for a while, it was one of the top 10 most successful movies in movie history because it was a monster. Everybody loved The Lion King. I love The Lion King. I think it's a fun movie. I think it's a great movie. The music is fantastic. It's one of those classics that will live on forever. People will remember The Lion King in 2075. They will be looking at The Lion King just because it's just it's that good. Uh, and just for reference from Box Office Mojo, The Lion King is 21st all time uh, in uh, with $422 million earned. Which is why I think I don't really care for the Shrek movies that much because I was kind of irritated when Shrek 2 came along and topped The Lion King for the top animated film of all time. And if you're wondering yourself, David Dollar, what is the top animated film of all time now? Well, that's going to go to Finding Dory with $486 million. It sits at number 12 on the all-time box office list. Finishing up this list of movies released, of course, Cars 2 came out in 1994. My kid loves Cars 2. I have a problem with Cars 2. Not to, I said 1994. 2011 is actually when it came out. It came out on June 24th, 2011. Lightning McQueen and Tow Truck Mater head to Japan and Europe to compete in the World Grand Prix, but Mater becomes sidetracked with an international espionage mission. Owen Wilson and Larry Cable Guy, they're back, and John Turturro plays as uh, Fernando Bernucci. Uh, whatever. It's it's not a good movie. Now, I can handle it. I can rewatch it because my kids watch it so many times I'm used to it. Just, I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan at all. I just don't think it's that good. To wrap this up, uh, probably gone on too long with movies here, but 1997, one of my favorites, the 35th animated feature, Hercules. Who put the Gladden Gladiator, Hercules? Official release in the U.S. Uh, it's the same day as Hercules' Victory Parade in Disneyland opened, based on the legendary Greek mythology hero, Hercules. Known by his Roman name, Hercules. Directed by Ron Clements and John Musker, the all-star voice cast included Tate Donovan, James Woods, Susan Egan, Danny DeVito, Rip Torn, Bobcat Goldthwait, Wayne Knight, Hal Holbrook, and on and on and on and on. The film earned multiple animation awards. It's a movie that's... I don't want to say it's a guilty pleasure, 
the problem with Hercules is it's very set in its time. It has several jokes in there that are right there current to the 1997. So that early mid time frame. I think if you watch it now, you'll some of your some children may hear some jokes and not really understand it, and you may have to go, oh, well, back in 1997, blah blah blah, or back in 1999, or back in 1995, there was this. Few of the jokes that are kind of out of date, but otherwise, it's a good movie. It's a very pop culture movie. I love Hercules. I do. Meg is probably. I mean, Rapunzel is my favorite princess. Only because you can't find Meg in the park anywhere. I think if I ever saw Meg in the park anywhere, I would pass out. Because Meg is just, she's an animated, gorgeous character. I love Meg. I think she's wonderful. James Woods is, is Hades. James Woods, regardless of what you think about him personally or in his political life, he is a fantastic actor, and he is incredible. He is incredible as Hades. One of my favorite villains, if not my favorite villain in all of Disneydom. I love the movie Hercules, and if you haven't seen it in a while, you should go see it. That's one I have seen. So I need to watch Rescuers and Mulan, apparently, but I have seen Hercules, and I loved Hercules. So real quick, let's uh, let's wrap this show up by giving you a quick movie review, and that is going to be on The Incredibles 2. Incredibles 2 came out last week and made a ton of money, by the way. The all-time record for animated feature openings, $180 million in its first weekend. I mean, just blew it out of the water. Why? Because it's good. That's why. It's a PG movie as well, and I believe it's got the best opening for a PG film of all time. Now, I mentioned Finding Dory a few minutes ago and how it made $486 million. It's the the highest grossing animated film of all time. Well, after five days, Finding Dory had done $177 million. After five days, Incredibles 2, as of right now, has done $233 million. So it is on track. It is on track to be the highest grossing animated film of all time. It's a good $50 million ahead of... Uh, finding Dory in that in that regard. Uh, it's a great movie. So it opens up, and I'm not going to give you any spoilers. I don't, don't worry, I'm not going to spoil anything for you. I'm going to give you the synopsis in the movie. I'm going to give you a couple of things to watch for, a couple of little warnings, I guess, and kind of give you my sense of the movie itself. So the movie opens up, right at the very beginning, is what happened at the end of The Incredibles 1, with the Underminer coming up, with the Underminer jumping out there, and of course that was John Ratzenberger, who is in every Pixar movie. You can find him in every single one. So Ratzenberger comes out as the Underminer. You watch The Incredibles and like immediately transition to Incredibles 2 and not miss a beat. And they even have some scenes overlap a little bit, so you kind of get a perspective of what's going on. Uh, they battle the Underminer and things happen. Remember, at this time, the, the, the superheroes are still illegal. They're not legal yet. Even though they've saved the day against Syndrome and his bad guys and what happens with the Underminer happens with the Underminer. Uh, but they're in trouble because... They're not legal yet. So a, a, a brother and sister team come up, Evelyn and Winston DeVore, I think their names are, voiced by Bob Odenkirk and uh, voiced by Catherine Keener, both great great actors, both of them. So they come up and they're like, hey, we are, we're rich, we have this great company, and we want to help you be superheroes again. We want to help make this legal again. And so basically they put Elastigirl in the front, in the forefront, while Mr. Incredible, Bob Parr, takes care of the kids. Elastigirl goes out and saves the day, and she does fights crime and things like that, and they put it on the news. But as you would expect, things are not as they seem at all. There's some underlying motives about what's going on there, and you kind of get a sense of what's happening. And it's good. They have to, not only does Mr. Incredible have to battle fatherhood because he's got to figure out how to take care of his children and staying at home, which by the way, as a stay-at-home dad, I work from home, so I have my kid at home sometimes. And, and uh, as a stay-at-home dad, I completely relate to some of the things he was trying to figure out, like you know, how to how to cook and how to rub the microwave and how to wash and just so on and so on. And I'm like, I get all that stuff I've mastered now, but back then I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, well, let's be honest. As parents, do we really know what we're doing? No, we don't. We just try to survive and make sure we don't raise jerks. That's pretty much our, our goal. So the movie progresses and everything. Frozone, played uh, by Samuel L. Jackson, has a 
great role in this a lot more in the forefront than he was in the previous movie he's kind of a major part of the story as well um you meet some other superheroes as well and so that's kind of fun too a good movie overall overall now two things to watch for number one and most people most people aren't bothered by this at all and and i guess it's not something that really bothers me that much except for the 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 unnecessariness of it i guess is the word to look for there are two curse words in this film, both voiced by Evelyn, uh, Evelyn DeVore, played by Catherine Keener again, and they're very, very minor curse words, very minor. And because this is a family show and we may have small children listening, they're both four-letter words. One begins with an H and one begins with a D. Again, small, nothing. Okay, these are words that you, as, as, as adults and myself, probably have said in traffic at some point when somebody cuts us off i get it you know or maybe you've said other four letter words too but those are the two four letters we're talking about here and they're said in a point very in casual conversation they're unnecessary i felt they were so unnecessary they didn't need to be there and i don't know why they were even there i don't know why they had to be in there because it didn't really do anything to the story it didn't you know you're, it's not like you're in a prison and some of the characters are saying slang words because they're it's a prison so you're trying to set the scene no one word they're actually just sitting on a couch having a conversation one says you know you, whatever and then later on one of the characters evelyn is actually reviewing video footage of an of an event and she says one of the other words and it's just it it, it doesn't it doesn't need to be there and i don't get that uh, and i'm hoping we're not entering a world where we have cursing in animation like this just casual language and again you may think i'm a prude you may think oh my gosh why are you even worried about that h and d really i say worse letter worse words than that when i'm emptying the dishwasher and that's fine i just i didn't feel like it needed to be there okay now on the other hand this is not a kid's movie this is not a kid's movie at all. I want to make sure you understand this. what I mean by that. I'm not saying this is The Hangover. I'm not saying this is Wedding Crashers. I'm not saying this is Boogie Nights. No, 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 nothing like that. It's got cartoony violence. I mean, superhero violence. And there's a difference in hearing or watching Reservoir Dogs, a Quentin Tarantino movie where they're shooting each other in the head and there's things happening all over the place versus a superhero where he's battling a, an alien and the alien blows up or, you know, a superhero where he throws a plane into the sun and the sun blows up. And, you know, there's a pilot inside, but you know, it's a superhero thing. So you get that. I mean, you know the difference in two. So there's very cartoony superhero violence. And I, I don't mean cartoony as in this is a cartoon because it is. I mean cartoony as in silly kind of thing. Okay. But this is not a kid's movie. This is an action adventure comedy film that families can watch. All right. Monsters University, Monsters Inc. Those are kids movies. Those are made, I think, specifically for kids. Cars 1, 2, and 3. Those are kids movies. This one is not a kids movie. It's not. It's a kids. It's a. It's a movie that the whole family can enjoy. Also, right in the middle of it, there's a scene where Elastigirl is hunting down one of the one of the villains, and she goes to this area where she goes in this room, and this room is covered in screens, and the screens are all flashing. I mean, the screens are all flashing, and it's almost like for a split second, it's almost like you're you're in a rave or something where you have like the strobe light. I will admittedly tell you that I don't know a lot about the 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 uh, the challenge of epilepsy. I I've heard obviously the stigma with that is they can't handle strobe lights. People with epilepsy can't do strobe lights because they have seizures. I don't know that. Okay, I've seen a stat where less than five percent. Of, of epileptics actually have that happen to them i don't know but there are people who are light sensitive not just to that but maybe get headaches or whatever so you need to know right in the middle of the movie as she is entering the apartment of the villain the villain is screen slaver which is a silly name but it makes sense in the context of the movie as she's entering this 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 area this apartment just understand that for about two minutes there will be a fight scene in there where there are strobe lights going on so i just want you to make sure you understand that because i don't want you to you know freak out about it 
I've heard that people just close their eyes or whatever, just kind of duck their head. And it's the scene's over pretty fast, so it's nothing big. Um, Screenslaver also uses also uses kind of light and radio wave, or like visual waves to to hypnotize its victims. So there is some of that too, but I think you'll be fine. But so there's your warnings right there. Overall, I loved the movie. I thought the movie was excellent. I thought it was really well done. I thought the story was great. The cast is fantastic. I mean, uh, Craig T. Nelson and Holly Hunter nail it. I mean, they're so good as their characters. Samuel L. Jackson is great. He's not over the top, which is awesome because sometimes he can be over the top in what he does. He just That's the nature of his character. Um, nature of who he is as a, as, a, as a person. But he's not over the top here, which is really, really nice. Uh, of course, Violet is played by Sarah Vowell, and I believe uh, Dash is a young man named, uh, named Huck Milner, which I think is not the same dash as previous because that dash would be like 18 years old now. So it's, it's good. It's really, really a good movie. There's some other characters. Brad Bird plays Ed Mode. Ed Mode is fantastic. You love Ed Mode. Edna Mode. She's a little short woman with the glasses and the long cigarette and the whatever. Great cast. Great story. The music is great. The effects are great. I loved this all the way through. I really, really did. It's a smart film and it's a fun film. I would say go see it. Definitely. If you like the first one, you're going to love this one. Don't ask me to compare the two because I can't. I don't say, hey, which one do you like better? Because I don't really know which one I like better. Because they're different movies. There really are different movies. I like, I mean, The Incredibles, the first one, has been with me for uh, 15 years now. So it's 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 been gestating in my mind and my consciousness for 15 years. So I've had 15 years to love Mr. Incredible and Elastigirl and Vi and Dash and Jack-Jack and Frozone. And Syndrome was one of my favorite villains. So I've had 15 years to get on, to, to really love that. But... You know, this new one is great. I, I look forward to watching it again. I think it's going to be awesome. So I'm really looking forward to seeing it again. And so I would say just go see it. I, go see it, and then you decide whether you like this, whether you like the first one or this one better. I don't know. It's a great movie. Loved it. So there you go. That is the Magic on a Dollar podcast, episode number 33. You can find me on the Twitters at Magic on a Dollar. Find me on Instagram at Magic on a Dollar. Find me on Facebook at Disney on a Dollar and Magic on a Dollar. You can find me in both places. And of course, 2019 prices are out. So for the year, we can now do your entire trip up until about the 1st of November-ish. There's a reason for that, and you can contact me and ask me, hey, if you want to do a trip in November or December, we can talk about that. But uh, I'm doing I'm doing trips already. I'm already booking stuff for 2019 because people are wanting to get their trips down. $200 deposit will get your trip down for you. And you have all the time in the world to pay for it. You can pay for it up until 30 days before your trip. So... If you're going in, you know, October the 2nd through the through the 10th of 2019, put two hundred dollar deposit down now this week, you've got a good 15 months to pay for your vacation, paying at your leisure, however you want to pay for it, $100 a month, $500 a month, $1,000 a month, or anything else paid until September, or yeah, September when the, when it would be due. So uh, so contact me, magiconadollar at gmail.com. I would love to help you out there. Go to the podcast page, magiconadollar.com. Go there, hit the podcast page, see all the show notes from all the previous episodes, download some episodes, and take a listen. I'd love for you to go to iTunes and review. Share Disney magic with everybody you meet. Be magical today. That's the thing. That's what I want to end with. Be magical. Not just to other people, not just to the people you know, the friends you know, but to yourself as well. Be magical to yourself because you are important. You do mean something to somebody and to people. Don't ever think that you don't. And I don't know who I'm talking to out here. I really don't. You know, you might be sitting at home thinking, well, I don't matter to anybody. Yes, you do. You matter to somebody. I promise you. I guarantee you that you do. I guarantee that you do. And if you don't feel like it, if you don't feel good, just reach out to somebody and say, hey, do I matter to you? And ask. That's it. Magic on a Dollar Podcast. I'm going to end there. Be magical to people. And don't forget to thank a Phoenician.